Hello, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Atlanta's evening news on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Real quick, we're not going to linger on the story, but uh, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution writing today, the special election in Coweta County, uh, an all-Republican runoff between, between Sacrison and Singleton would have its own plot line. A sharper referendum on Speaker Ralston. Remember, you got a special election down in Coweta County. Uh, go vote for Philip Singleton in that. That's House District 71. We're not going to linger on that subject, though. I do want to give you a brief update on the hurricane and what's happening. It has slowed down. And they are really, really worried about the amount of rain that this thing could drop down in Florida because of the, um, the, the amount of rain that's coming and the speed of the storm. They're now thinking it won't start impacting Georgia until Wednesday. Originally, it was going to impact uh, Florida Sunday into Monday. And come into Georgia Monday into Tuesday, it has slowed down now. It looks like it is on track to potentially become a Category 4 hurricane. It will begin impacting Florida on Monday and it won't actually really impact Georgia until Wednesday. And now they're starting to think, and I've seen several private meteorological projections, that it's going to, to hook around and go up the eastern seaboard uh, with the eye kind of uh, over the Savannah area, going up Brunswick, Savannah, that area, on Wednesday. So if you're headed to the panhandle of Florida right now, um, you can probably go okay. Gulf Shores, all that area, probably you're not going to see an impact. The other big issue, of course, is going to be traffic uh, and people leaving that area on Monday, tying up the interstate and the like. Uh, so it, we will see how this shapes up. Now, I want to get into uh, Greg Bluestein. He was on with Chuck Todd on Meet the Press late yesterday. Chuck's got a daily version of this, talking about the Isaacson situation in Georgia and who may or may not run. Uh, I'll take your phone calls on this, and it's Friday. We'll free up the phones a little bit more. Uh, 404-872-0750. Here's uh, Greg Bluestein on the state of play right now. If you ever complain about not having enough politics, to cover, uh, you can't complain now. Jeez, I never did complain, but Democrats have been saying Georgia is going to be a battleground for 10 years. Now it really is, and it's really hitting us uh, pretty, pretty hard now. Well, look, I, I think the big question is, it's, is this. It's while it's obvious from 30,000 feet Georgia is a battleground, and it's obvious that it's a competitive state, the candidates lining up to, to run for these Democratic nominations don't look like uh, big names yet, or certainly don't look like big players yet. It's just simply a lack of familiarity and this will come, or Democrats have a bench problem. I think it's, I think it's a little bit of more of the former. Um, uh, there's, there's, more, there's already three candidates in the race against David Perdue. There's probably going to be a fourth, maybe a fifth in the next few weeks. But on the race to replace um, Senator Johnny Isaacson, who just announced he's going to um, retire by the end of the year, there's a dozen or so names talking about running, a lot of big mm -hmm. names, a lot of, a lot of lesser-known names that could be stars. Um, so it's really completely up in the air. This was like a, a bombshell, a seismic shock right. through Georgia politics. You know, it's an interesting decision you have to make on which, if you're a Democrat, which seat you want, because if you win, mm -hmm. you've got to hurry up and run again in two years. Now, 
I'm curious on the Republican side of the aisle, is that how is that how Governor Kemp is looking at this? He's got to find somebody that doesn't just uh, hold the seat. He's got to find somebody that has the chops to do this twice. You got it. This is the most consequential decision, political decision that Governor Kemp has has made and probably will make his first term, at least, um, because whoever's on the ballot, whoever he picks will be on the ballot with President Trump and Senator Perdue next year. And then if they win, will be on the ballot with him in 2022. Right. So he has the chance to essentially select his own running mate. Yeah, very much so. He does. Um, and because you remember, this person would be on the ballot to fill the end of Isaac to be ratify the governor's pick in November. And then if they if the voters do ratify the governor's pick to serve out the rest of Johnny's term. Uh, but what about Georgia as a swing state? I was actually very interested in this very astute analysis, I think, uh, from the AJC's Greg Bluestein on this. Listen to this. So we have made a big deal of saying Georgia's a swing state. There's too much action going down for the two parties not to ignore it. But the rea- give me your reality right now. Is it, well, re- is it definitely a swing state or is this still Democrats still have a, a ways to go here? Look, I think battleground states fair. Um, Republicans still dominate politics. They still have won every statewide race since 2010. They still have held Georgia in presidential contests since since 1996. The last Democrat to win Georgia was Bill Clinton in 92. So, so Republicans have history on their side. Um, but Democrats also have to look at the narrowing re- margins. David Perdue won the Senate race by eight points in 2014. Donald Trump won by five points in 2016. Brian Kemp, the governor, Man. won by one and a half points last year. So that, that margin is getting thinner and thinner and thinner for Republicans. That is a very for, fair point, and it's a reason Republicans need to invest in the ground game. Now, Daniel in Monroe on this Isaacson issue. Welcome. Hey, Eric. It is so good to hear your voice. I have been up in uh, liberal land, unfortunately, working in Boston. But Oh, gosh. I followed you, the, I followed you with the resurgence uh, when I found out you launched your uh, multiple programs. While I was in Boston, but I'm going to go ahead and get to it. Um, I was actually floored when I heard about Johnny Isaacson, but I called it two years ago. I said, he's not going to finish a six-year term. I haven't put the bug in so many years, but there's a lot of names popping around. Um, maybe give me your top three choices and who um, who we think we need to appoint now that can actually run. Maybe somebody like uh, Chris Carr, maybe the district attorney from Cobb County, Karen Handel, Ginger Howard. Well, yeah, like you that. know, it, it, Daniel, it's it's interesting you should mention some of those names. Let me play you this bit from uh, the conversation with Bluestein and Chuck Todd on MSNBC as uh, Meet the Press. Listen to the just listen closely here. We're hearing up here that the attorney general is the Washington preference. What do you hear down there? Yeah, um, uh, uh, well, Attorney General Chris Carr, he is a former top aide to Johnny Isaacson. His wife is his current top aide. He's right. maybe the sentimental favorite. But I think Governor Kemp is going to look at a, a small galaxy of Republican figures from elected officials like Chris Carr to outside the box folks, um, business executives, members of the judiciary, federal prosecutors. Mm -hmm. And he has some time too. He has a few months to make his decision. So I wouldn't be surprised if he looked at some sort of outsider candidate. He might not pick that outsider candidate, but he's got a lot of options. Federal prosecutors. Uh, One of the names that keeps popping up is BJ Pack, the uh, U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Georgia, who was in the state Senate, uh, became U.S. attorney. 
Uh, Donald Trump appointed him U.S. attorney, very, very popular, also uh, has some very high-profile cases and wins, including the current prosecution of Jim Beck, state insurance commissioner. He would be a very interesting and diverse play, conservative guy. It would be an interesting pick. Uh, But here's the thing that you need to know. This is the bottom line. Nobody does know. This is Brian Kemp's pick to make. And there are a whole lot of people throwing a lot of names around. And more importantly, there are a lot of people out there pretending they have insider knowledge and they don't. I have no insider knowledge here. None. Uh, I I, I have floated a name to a couple of people, not to the governor. I'm not going to waste the governor's time or the governor's direct staff. Uh, There's no point in me wasting their time. There are so many people out there right now playing the insider game. This is the most frustrating thing about these sorts of situations is you have a lot of people who try to pretend they have more clout and influence than they actually do by claiming they have some level of access that they do not. Oh, I've talked to people. I've talked to insiders in the governor's office, and they tell me so-and-so is being vetted right now. But there are two other people as well whose names I don't know. Which means you're full of crap, basically. You you really don't know. Oh, I talked to so-and-so, and so-and-so has inside sources within the governor's office or is a big-time player within the office or knows Georgia politics so well. Uh, today, I, I heard a bunch of people saying, oh, you know, the Georgia political establishment, they're floating Casey Cagle. No disrespect intended to Casey Cagle, but I have a hard time thinking that the governor of the state of Georgia who beat him in a Republican runoff uh, wants to put him in the state Senate uh, or in the U.S. Senate, particularly after he came out with the exit interview thing on the Clay Tippins stuff. I just I don't see that happening. Maybe it will. I can be surprised. But uh, the people floating names right now are basically they're, they're putting names out there hoping that someone gets into contention. They don't really know. Um, the people who do know right now aren't saying, and the reason they're not saying is because they don't want to give anyone time to generate a bunch of opposition to the names that are seriously being considered or opposition research. But in that regard, they also want to take their time to find opposition research. But the larger picture is the governor of the state of Georgia, and I hope people in the governor's office are listening right now. The governor of the state of Georgia has a gigantic hurricane bearing down on the state of Georgia, and Johnny Isaacson is not even leaving office until December 31st at 11.59 p.m. He's got time. To, for people to sit around and think, oh, yes, the governor's office, they're in meetings today discussing names. The hell they are. He's got a big old hurricane heading into Georgia. He doesn't have time to deal with this today, and he doesn't need to deal with this today. He's got months to deal with this issue. And all the people out there mouthing off pretending, I know what Brian Kemp is going to do because I had this conversation with someone who, who is married to someone who's married to the postman who's having an affair with the next door neighbor who's cheating on her college son whose best friend drives a Jeep and happened to be in the shop when Brian Kemp brought his truck in. Yeah, I know people don't know these things. It's just, it's ridiculous political gossip. Situations like this are where people who know nothing try to pretend they are somebody. And let's just understand this. There's a hurricane coming. The governor's got more important things to do. He's not worried about this at the moment. They've got October, November, December, and oh yeah, uh, they've got today too. They got plenty of time.
Labor Day is coming. Kids are starting back to school. You want to get in routines. You want to get in sleep routines. You want to get in exercise routines. You know what you also need to do? You need to get into clean teeth routines. Morning and evening brushing. The Quip makes it easy. Quip has sensitive sonic vibrations for an effective clean that's gentle on your sensitive gums. It's even got a built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides, and it helps you clean your whole mouth evenly. And the multi-use cover works as a stand, mounts to a mirror, and slides over your bristles to pack and protect your Quip on the go. Brush heads are even automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks. A friendly reminder when it's time for a refresh and to stay committed to your oral health. I love my Quip. My wife has a Quip. My daughter has a Quip. We all use Quip in our house. You can too. It starts at just $25. If you go to getquip.com slash Eric right now, you get your first refill pack for free. So you get your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash Eric. Get Quip. You will love this toothbrush. I've been a longtime Quip user. You will want to be a longtime Quip user. Getquip.com slash Eric. Go now. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Um this is can be esoteric for some of you, but I want to deal with this issue a little bit. Uh Keisha Lance Bottoms, the mayor of Atlanta. Um, went into a meeting over a plan to sell a piece of Fort McPherson for an FDA laboratory. Uh, this was um, the McPherson Implementing Local Redevelopment Authority, the Fort Mac LRA is what they call it. They rejected the plan that Keisha Lance Bottoms wanted, which was to sell a portion of the property to Tyler Perry, uh, who wants to expand further. He offered to pay $30 million for the 145 acres and the former uh, Forces Command or Forcecom building. And it's less than what, on a per acre basis, the developer down there wanted. They want to take some FDA folks in Midtown and move them downtown and build a lab on a land lease. I, you know, I just think that taking a risk with the Tyler Perry thing would have been better. Now the developer wouldn't have made as much money. That's true. Uh, and moving the FDA laboratory, I guess down there is good, except here's the problem. You're talking about Southwest Atlanta and Southwest Atlanta could use more economic development down there. You've got more film studios coming down there, and it makes sense to do something like that because if you if Tyler Perry were to build down there, there would be more people down there employed. When you're talking about an FDA laboratory facility, you're talking about less opportunity for the people in that area to actually get jobs. You're just relocating people from an existing facility down there as opposed to doing something new. Seems like it was a little short-sighted on their part. I realize the developer wants to make money. I, I I get that. I, I get that. Uh, and and on a per acre basis, the FDA deal was was more money. But long term, man, this seems really short sighted. Uh, seems again like the mayor of Atlanta was had the best plan. I want to discuss an annoying trend. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The the Atlanta. <laughs> It's very confusing now doing two shows. Uh, this is Atlanta's Evening News. Uh, the other show is in the morning, not here. Uh, 404-872-0750-1800, WSB Talk. Uh, can we talk about the this latest craze of um, 
progressive woke people who um, essentially now want everyone to know that everything you ever did was uh, just terrible and every show you ever liked is awful. And <sighs> this it's, it's the latest trend by people uh, who's woke enough. Um, and we're getting this from, well, for example, Buzzfeed, I'm, I'm trying to pull up the, the article and it is all of a sudden, here we go. Yes. Um, he, he, friends hasn't aged well. Friends is 25th anniversary is in September, but it's actually always been awful. Let me read this to you. I'm starting to realize that in internet years, I'm very old, but instead of feeling irrelevant because of my ignorance of current memes or the fact that increasingly all my tweets are about how much I hate air travel, I feel compelled to share my hard-earned wisdom. The further away I get from my youth, the more I want to warn the younger generations, those Gen Zers in their puka shell necklaces and scrunchies and vans, that what they love is actually unmitigated garbage. I never knew I'd be repeating that the sentences my Gen X brother used to say to me, when you get older, you'll understand that I'm right. And yet here I am telling my niece that no, I will not be watching Friends with her. Friends, my darling, is terrible. Seriously, the woman has decided she hates Friends. Uh, and one of the reasons is, well, let me just read you the pull quote. Friends, a show about white people being thin and, uh, yeah, can't read you that. And a show that I at one time watched and is enjoyable is absolutely garbage. Essentially what it is, is that friends, it's just not woke enough. It's, it's offensive now. It has run afoul of cancel culture, and that makes it upsetting. There's been some ongoing online discussions about the strange dissonance between Friends' nostalgia and the reality of the show's poor quality. But still, overwhelmingly, audiences seem fine pretending that Friends was in any way good at all. Likely contributing to this wrong conclusion is how easy it is to access the show's back catalog, which is readily available to stream and which the teens love binging in mass. It just seems odd that the show that the most marketable generation is, for some reason, watching is also the least relevant show still on the market. And it all adds up to it's just it's offensive now it's a show about white people it's not diverse enough it makes fun of transgenderism it's just not nice it's just not good oh and if you if you think it's friend specific no no there's a there's a piece in the washington post circulating Retro Retropolis is the is the subcategory where essentially they go back in time and look at things that are now deeply problematic, I guess. Pumpkin Spice Wars. The violent history behind your favorite Starbucks latte. Pumpkin Spice season is starting even earlier this year, unfortunately. With the famous drink spiced with cinnamon, nutmeg, and cloves pouring into Starbucks coffee shops starting Tuesday. But underneath those fuzzy sweater vibes, the spices in the pumpkin spice latte have a dark history, particularly nutmeg. It's a story of war, genocide, 
and slavery. The variety of nutmeg we're familiar with is native to the Banda Islands in what is now Indonesia. In the Middle Ages, the Bandanese became rich trading the spice. Nutmeg made it to the lips of Chinese and Malay elites and to Europeans via Arab traders who kept the location of the source secret. All that changed in 1511 when Portuguese explorer Antonio de Abreu became the first European to land on the Banda Islands, according to food historian Michael Condrell. Portugal, which was absorbed into the Spanish Empire in 1568, had a foothold in the nutmeg trade for a hundred years. The Dutch showed up in 1599. Everything got gruesome soon afterwards. They seized the island. They built a fort. They informed the Bandanese they were no longer allowed to trade with anyone else. It led to violent skirmishes. There was a massacre. Only about a thousand of an estimated 15,000 Bandanese survived. Manhattan has 240 Starbucks that are peddling pumpkin spice lattes at this very moment. Y'all, everything is bad now. This, this, there is a, there's a level of religiosity in all of this. You can't watch Friends anymore. Why? Because Friends is terrible. It's just a bunch of white people. There's no diversity. Marine biologists who probably spent years in school and hundreds of thousands of dollars on their education are out here informing us that actually lobsters don't mate for life, contrary to what Phoebe, a fictional character in a bad television show whose entire personality trait is being flighty, said at some point. We also recently learned that the monkey actor who played Ross's pet is still working. The content never ends, and yet somehow people never seem to lose their appetite for it. Why? It's horrible. It's garbage. It's a bunch of white people. Now, here's your latest outrage. Yeah, I, I, we could do an entire show on outrage. Uh, 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. That's not your invitation, though, to call in with your own outrage. But the president released a picture that is a high-resolution satellite image of the launch pad that the Iranians used to launch their satellite, and it exploded. And the president tweeted out, I hope the Iranians figure out what caused it. Wasn't us. We had nothing to do with it because there was a rumor that somehow we had some role to play in helping uh, blow up this satellite launch because we vehemently opposed it. And this all comes on the heels of a statement from Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, that we would be helping Israel and letting Israel do whatever it needed to do to protect itself. Here's the Secretary of State. Look, we've we've been very clear about a couple things uh, that you just referred to. First, with respect to the Islamic Republic of Iran, we flipped flipped the... uh, U.S. policy there. Uh, the previous administration guaranteed Iran a path to a nuclear weapons system, allowed them to foment terror, and allowed their missile system to run amok. President Trump has directed that we uh, do just the opposite, to deny them the resources to create risk, not only for the United States and its citizens, but for Israel as well. And we've been successful at that. And we've also been incredibly supportive each time Israel has uh, been forced to take actions to defend itself. The United States has made very clear 
that that country has not only the right but the duty to protect its own people, and we are always supportive of their efforts to do that. And so with respect to uh, ensuring that uh, Israel is treated fairly at the United Nations, uh, Israel can certainly count on the United States of America. Well, between the president's tweet and this statement, people, oh, it was the United States. We, it was Israel. We let Israel blow this. There's no evidence that there was anything other than the Iranians being incompetent. There's none. And people are pouring in and reading whatever they want under the president's tweet. I mean, people just want to be outraged these days, don't they? It's like we're in a contest to see who can be more outraged. Everything is bad. Everything is terrible. Everything must be announced. Every good thing that people like is somehow bad or, or is secretly racist. I mean, that's the other thing. Everything is white supremacist these days. Take the Dave Chappelle thing. I intend, in fact, I've already got it queued up on Netflix. I intend to watch the Dave Chappelle show, and I expect to be offended by parts of it. But I also expect to laugh hysterically through much of it. And there are people who now want to cancel Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, who they thought was on their side, but he makes jokes in this comedy that offend everyone, including he comes out of it looking like he may actually may be a closet pro-lifer. And that's deeply problematic, so he must be canceled. He left it very, very unclear, but made pro-lifers very uncomfortable. But then at the end of his monologue on abortion, made those people who support abortion rights think, ooh, I think we've been played. And now they all want to cancel him, and they're blaming Netflix Netflix for giving him airtime. People just want to be outraged. Why can't you live and let live? I thought that was the whole thing. People used to tell Christians who oppose gay marriage, you just got to let us all live and let live, live and let live. Well... No, now they got to be shut down. You, you know the other problematic thing? I kid you not. The Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. There's a huge article in the Wall Street Journal today, and it's accompanied by a, a, a story in a different left-wing publication about how you can't eat the Chick-fil-A sandwich because it's a bigoted sandwich. These people will never stop trying to make our lives miserable. I just need to remind you again that uh, Philip Singleton is on the ballot in Coweta County House District 71 special election. You need to go vote for him. Uh, David Ralston is funding his challenger. Even the AJC says this would be a big referendum on the speaker. People would have to take notice that the speaker is poison if Philip Singleton gets into this runoff. So you need to go vote for Philip Singleton. You can early vote. Well, early voting, they're probably closed now. It's like three minutes to five, two minutes to five. Um, but on Tuesday, Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, the day after Labor Day is the special election. Of course, they probably put it that way, um, trying to stack the deck. So you need to go vote for Philip Singleton. It actually is important. Uh, if you want your legislature to pay attention uh, to the issue of David Ralston and his scandal and what damaged goods he is and that he could potentially cause the GOP to lose control of the House right before redistricting, you need to go, if you live in the 71st district, you got to go vote. That district is sandwiched between Noonan and Peachtree City. Uh, the west side of Lake McIntosh is in this district. You have got to go vote for Philip Singleton on Tuesday. You absolutely do. When we come back, we got to get back into the chicken wars. Yes, we really actually do have to. There's a reason.
Ignition running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 404-872-0750-1800, WSB Talk. I am going to go on, because it's relevant, uh, to Brad in Cartersville. You are up next. Welcome, Brad. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks. I could you imagine if they had made blazing saddles this year oh. where you have got two races making fun of each other? It, One it, race would probably get butt hurt. Yeah, listen, there is no way they could make that movie now, Brad. In fact, I got to tell you, in all honesty, uh, blazing saddles makes me uncomfortable. It, it it really makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that, that, you know the scene. Yeah, yeah, they couldn't make that movie. They wouldn't make that movie. No. All right, Travis in Fayetteville, welcome. Hey, Eric. Uh, I have a question about the Democratic presidential race. Uh, when you had talked to me earlier uh, a couple weeks back, you had indicated you still thought Joe Biden was going to probably end up being the nominee. And given that we've seen him cognitively jump the shark, um, Democrats seem to be souring on Obama's legacy and Biden's poll numbers have begun to crater. Do you still think he's going to be the nominee? Yeah, listen, I I still think he's the odds on favorite. Uh, Unquestionably, Elizabeth Warren has some momentum right now. She really does. But let me put this in perspective for you, just just so we see uh, where everything is right now. Before Joe Biden was in the race, in February, February 26, 2019, before Joe Biden announced, the Real Clear Politics polling average had Joe Biden at 28.3%. That is the poll of polls, the, the, taking all of the polls together, Joe Biden, the average was 28.3%, and he wasn't even a declared candidate, and he led uh, Bernie Sanders, who is at 20%. Where is Joe Biden today? He was at 28.3% in February when he wasn't a candidate. Where is he today? 28.9%. 28.9%. Now, when he announced, he shot up to 41%. Uh, but yeah, 20, 28.9%. So he's up, what, uh, six-tenths of a point since February when he wasn't a candidate. That's That's holding steady. Now, uh, you know, I, I've got a nationally syndicated column, not in any Atlanta paper. <clears throat> and my point that I made in my column today is that Joe Biden is joined at the hip with Donald Trump. As Donald Trump improves, Joe Biden improves. And as Donald Trump declines, Joe Biden declines. The reason is because Joe Biden is the safe pick. And as the Democrats become increasingly convinced that a a ham sandwich could beat Donald Trump, there's no reason to go with a safe pick. They can go with a more radical progressive and redefine the election and say, hey, people really wanted socialism. They don't have to play it safe anymore. 
but is is Biden the odds-on favorite? Yeah, I think Biden is the odds-on favorite right now, but I definitely think momentum is shifting towards Elizabeth Warren. And I do definitely think the, the media has a vested interest in helping Warren, so the media is amplifying all of the, the fuzzy memory and whatnot behaviors of Joe Biden. All right. Now... I need. I actually. I do want to talk about the chicken sandwich. Yes, I, I'm not obsessed with the chicken sandwich. I'm obsessed with capitalism. And is it not an amazing thing that we could be in a chicken sandwich war in the United States? But I find this story in the Wall Street Journal absolutely hysterical. This is the actual headline in the Wall Street Journal: Popeyes launches chicken sandwich arms race. JFK called for a man on the moon. Here's the subtitle. KFC has Cheetos chicken. McDonald's franchisees push to get in the game. Made me go cheat on Chick-fil-A. What a muddled mess. A chicken sandwich battle has fast food chains out for blood. Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen touched it off with a new chicken sandwich just over two weeks ago. Fans praised its crispiness. They liked the thick pickles, and they used social media to roast rivals for what they deemed inferior chicken sandwiches. It's like they're putting something else inside the Popeye sandwich to get people hooked, uh, said Jamil Massey, a 27-year-old longshoreman from Jacksonville, Florida, who ate six in three days, only capable of doing so because he's under 30. Mouth-watering fried chickens become the new table stakes for fast food companies. KFC is courting novelty-minded diners with Nashville hot chicken. Go to Hattie B's. It's not good at KFC. And a summer promotion for Cheetos chicken sandwich. What the heck? Covering all the bases, KFC has just introduced a non-chicken sandwich called Beyond Fried Chicken made with a plant-based substitute from Beyond Meats. So the parent company of KFC is Yum Brands. A non-chicken sandwich made with plant-based substitutes does not sound yum to me, and a bunch of white hipsters lined up around the restaurant to try it. In Smyrna, there were more white people in line at Chick-fil-A, or not Chick-fil-A, KFC, than I have ever seen. Wendy's is trying to steer the conversation towards its own spicy chicken sandwich, which probably is the best. I haven't had Popeye's, though. It's better than Chick-fil-A's, if we're honest about it. But here's the thing. Franchisees at McDonald's, which doesn't have its own southern-style battered chicken sandwich and has it for years, they're demanding the burger giant get its act together fast. I'll tell you the truth. It's been so long since I've had anything at McDonald's that I didn't even know they didn't have their chicken sandwich anymore. Unfortunately, we're still not in the game, wrote the National Owners Association, which is like a homeowners association for McDonald's franchisees, I guess. It's, it's the trade group for the McDonald's franchisees. This is going to change. This is an actual quote from the National Owners Association. JFK called for a man on the moon. Our call should be a category leading chicken sandwich. <laughs> I love this. JFK called for a man on the moon. Our call should be a category leading chicken sandwich. You can write this so many ways. By the way, it took me, it took six months. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It took two years for Popeye's to come up with its chicken sandwich. Can, can you think that? I got a better quote for the McDonald's National Owners Association. 
God created the heavens and the earth in six days. We should have a category leading chicken sandwich in six months. Christopher Columbus discovered the new world. We should discover a new chicken sandwich. Good Lord, these people are taking this seriously. It's a chicken sandwich. But they are, and they're taking it. You know why they're taking it so seriously? Do you know there's actually a real reason they're all taking this so seriously? Chick-fil-A is kicking their rear ends. Chick-fil-A is nearly doubled its U.S. store count since 2007. It's got 2,400 stores. They're on track to pass Subway and Taco Bell by year-end as the third biggest U.S. quick service chain. They're about to pass Taco Bell. You can't even show up drunk at Chick-fil-A at midnight to get chicken. You still got to go get tacos at Taco Bell. And yet Chick-fil-A is about to pass Taco Bell. This is, people are scrambling. Chick-fil-A freaks them out. They're closed on Sunday. They close at 10 p.m. You can't show up hungover at Chick-fil-A at 3 a.m. to get food, and yet they're kicking everybody's tail, so everybody's panicked. That's why we're in a chicken war, because Chick-fil-A is that good. Labor Day is coming. Kids are starting back to school. You want to get in routines. You want to get in sleep routines. You want to get in exercise routines. You know what you also need to do? You need to get into clean teeth routines. Morning and evening brushing, the Quip makes it easy. Quip has sensitive sonic vibrations for an effective clean that's gentle on your sensitive gums. It's even got a built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides, and it helps you clean your whole mouth evenly. And the multi-use cover works as a stand, mounts to a mirror, and slides over your bristles to pack and protect your Quip on the go. Brush heads are even automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks. A friendly reminder when it's time for a refresh and to stay committed to your oral health. I love my Quip. My wife has a Quip. My daughter has a Quip. We all use Quip at our house. You can too. It starts at just $25. If you go to getquip.com slash Eric right now, you get your first refill pack for free. So you get your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash Eric. Get Quip. You will love this toothbrush. I've been a longtime Quip user. You will want to be a longtime Quip user. Getquip.com slash Eric. Go now. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. We'll, we'll get to Greta Thunberg here in a moment. But this, uh, I'm just, I continue to be fascinated by the the chicken sandwich wars. And it all has to do with Chick-fil-A. And I can, I want to make a prediction to you. There's actually a story out, theblaze.com has it, uh, that uh, professors at uh, the University of Kansas are opposed to having Chick-fil-A there because Chick-fil-A is a bigoted, discriminatory chicken restaurant which of course is not true, uh, but they're opposed to it nonetheless. Now, they're de- they find it deeply problematic that so many students at the University of Kansas like the chicken sandwich. Yes, they, they are really, really upset that they like the chicken sandwich. And they want the chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A removed from campus. Now, I can guarantee you what's going to happen. One of these companies, 
it's probably going to be McDonald's, maybe Burger King. Burger King, curiously enough, is not even mentioned in this Wall Street Journal story about the chicken sandwich wars. But one of these companies is going to hire a woke PR firm. And what they're going to do is plant stories about Chick-fil-A. It's probably going to be McDonald's because Chick-fil-A is, is starting to really eat into them as competition. And what they're going to do is they're going to plant stories in mainstream media outlets that already hate Chick-fil-A, and they're going to savage Chick-fil-A. They're going to come up with stories to savage Chick-fil-A. That's exactly what's going to happen here. I can see this is what happens in these sorts of things. They want to ruin Chick-fil-A's reputation. But you know what? They can't ruin the reputation of a company that's that well run with that good food. But they're going to try. It is Eric Erickson here, and the phone number is 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Eddie in Ackworth, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you, Eric. Uh, yeah, uh, listen to you every day. <clears throat> I just want to make a comment about all these chicken uh, chicken sandwich wars. Uh, I'm not. I'm, I'm recently from California. Well, five years ago, and. Uh, I do not, I'm not a big fan of Chick-fil-A, and I'm with you on, I think you commented on Wendy's chicken yes. sandwich. Or grilled chi- they're oh, spicy chicken sandwich. Yeah, and their grilled chicken sandwich is good, too. And there's another place called Culver's. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I am. We don't have them around here, do we? Yes, we do. We have a brand new one on Cobb. Oh. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. Well, yeah, I may need to go there. Oh, their butter bun is great. Oh, you got to check it out. But anyway... Um, I was just coming from California. There's chains out there, not quite as massive as Chick-fil-A and all that, uh, Douglas Burgers. There's so many better chicken uh, places other than Chick-fil-A. Listen, yeah, hey, people... hey, 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 Eddie, you are going to like kill, get me killed with my audience if you're coming in and insulting Chick-fil-A in Georgia. <laughs> That's okay. I'm from California. Yeah, There's exactly. So See, everyone right now, they're like, okay, this guy's from California. But Okay, I'll give you my address. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously. So we've got a, we've got a, we've got a Culver's. I, I did it's, not know. It, it's, 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 uh, me coming from, uh, um, Ackworth going towards Barrett. Mm-hmm. It'll be about six, seven miles from me on the right hand okay, side. Okay, the Kennesaw so. area. Yeah, they're, they're telling me down the line, I I, I got to go because I have been to Culver's. In fact, um, so they're headquartered out of Wisconsin, and you got them all over northern Illinois as well. They, those people, they, they have good burgers and, and ice cream and stuff too. Oh, they've, they've, they've got it down. They've got it down, Pat. And Chick-fil-A, like I said, I don't know. It's just <laughs> chicken in the South. If you could, I could set up a stand and make a, a fortune with chicken out here in the South. Yeah. yeah. Yankee. So. <laughs> All right. Hey, look, let, let me leave it there before before somebody comes and burns down the station for insulting Chick-fil-A. I, I like Chick-fil-A. Culver's, though, I didn't know we had. That's that's going to be, yeah, I, I need to. I need to go find this Culver's. So I, I'm looking it up, and apparently there's one in Noonan too. From what I'm being told, uh, this is this is ex- I didn't know we had them here. Now uh, there are 16 locations in Georgia. Yeah, if y'all haven't tried this, um, oh look, I'm going to be driving right past one in about an hour and a half. Oh, ho, 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 the one in Noonan. It's on Noonan Crossing. Okay, okay, yes. 
Yeah, that's that's good. That makes me happy to know. You people have no idea what I'm talking about or, or what Eddie's talking about. It, it is a, a fast food chain from up north. I know it's from up north. But ice cream is their thing. But they don't just have ice cream. They got burgers. Uh, they got good chicken sandwiches and stuff, too. Uh, so I go up every once in a while uh, to Illinois, and I visit a friend of mine who lives on the Wisconsin-Illinois line. And uh, he, older guy, and he likes to go to Culver's. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in any event, now, thank you, sir. Uh, and I am being corrected, Culver's. It's frozen custard. It's frozen custard. I I will say the one downside, though, is is that they serve Pepsi products. They're Yankees. You have to forgive them. Greta Thunberg. Oh, we continue to hear a lot about Greta Thunberg in the media. Uh, they're going gaga over Greta Thunberg. Uh, let me read you or let you listen to some of what Greta Thunberg said. The 16-year-old from Sweden who came over to the United States on a prince's yacht so that she would not have carbon emissions. And now we've learned that people had to fly into the United States to take care of the yacht while it was here. And some of the crew will fly out of the United States because of it. So, yeah, she actually caused more people people to uh, burn carbon by flying because she didn't want to, but here she is. It's strange. Everyone always asks me about Donald Trump, <laughs> uh, but I mean, my message for him is just listen to the science and he obviously doesn't do that. So, I mean, I, as I always say to this question, if if any, no one has been able to convince him about the climate crisis, the, the urgency, then why should I be able to do that? So I'm just going to, to now focus on, on spreading awareness and that people in general will start caring and realize how big of a crisis this is. Yeah, and here are the, here's the media reaction to her from MSNBC. Teenage climate change activist Greta Thunberg has completed her sailboat trip across the Atlantic to attend a United Nations global warming conference. The Swedish 16-year-old and her crew arrived in New York yesterday, two weeks after heading out from England. Thunberg, who never sailed before, says she took the wind and solar-powered yacht because flying is bad for the environment. She first made headlines last year by leading weekly school strikes to demand that world leaders address climate issues. She shared the journey with her two million social media followers how incredible she's just 16 years old go Greta go oh good gracious uh do you know she started a trend in Europe called flight shaming shaming people for flying you know the left always compares us to Europe you, you know why you can't really compare us to Europe because we're ginormous compared to Europe European countries, most of the people there uh, packed densely into cities uh, with rail and transit hubs. Here, you got to fly from L.A. to, to New York. You're not going to take the train. But let, I want to read you this real quick before we get out of here. You, you ponder this. Greta Thunberg was born in 2003. Her mother, Melina Ernman, is a Swedish opera singer, and her father is actor Svante Thunberg. Her grandfather is actor and director Olaf Thunberg. Thunberg said she first heard about climate change in 2011 when she was eight years old and could not understand why so little was being done about it. Three years later, she became depressed and stopped talking and was eventually diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, obsessive-compulsive disorder, and selective mutism. Thunberg has described the selective mutism aspect of her condition as meaning she only speaks when necessary and that now is one of those moments. 
Her father does not like her missing school, but said, we respect that she wants to take, make a stand. She can either sit home or be really un, and be really unhappy or protest and be happy. To lower her family's carbon footprint, she insisted they become vegan and give up flying. She said she persuaded her parents to give up eating meat by making them feel guilty. I kept telling them that they were stealing our future. Her mother gave up her international career as an opera singer. Thunberg has said she's declined several international speaking engagements because flying would increase her carbon footprint. Sounds like her parents are letting the inmate run the asylum. Her mother gave up her career because of her child. Here's what's happened. She has Asperger's and OCD and selective mutism. She heard people saying, undoubtedly, that the world would come to an end. I mean, we got 10 years left, they all say. And I bet she took this literally because, you know, if you got Asperger's, you don't read emotion. Uh, you, you don't have that, that perception. And she's wondering why aren't people doing anything because they keep saying the world's going to end in 10 years because she doesn't understand that they're lying. And it's driven her to, to the point of despair. And so she's doing, this is abusive. This is an abusive relationship with this child. And she is a child. She is unaccomplished because she's 16. She has no life experience. And she sailed over here on a yacht owned by a prince. No one else can. And in fact, a bunch of people had to get on planes to tend to the yacht. And so they've increased their carbon footprint. But the left says that's okay because it's all about the symbolism of this. No, it's not. This is, this is not a healthy thing. And you should feel sorry for this child. I've had several people tell me Culver's are springing up all over the north side. There's one in McDonough. Uh, we don't we don't get nice stuff on the south side as quickly as the north side. We don't have as much rich people down here. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. Okay, here's the deal. Uh, we got a big hurricane coming. It is probably not going to be anywhere near here for Labor Day weekend, but some outer bands and winds could start impacting us late Labor Day. So stay with WSB. We will keep you informed as the weather starts shaking out uh, over the weekend and through next week. We'll keep having updates, and you can still be winning gas money on Monday.